You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. Hey, we've been studying gratitude, looking at it, praying about it, and today we're going to continue, maybe wrap up this series on gratitude. This has been our verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always. I hope you pray for me. I sometimes tell people, I don't know what it costs heaven when I go to do something, but I imagine they say, hey, Matt's moving, and the angels roll their eyes, they get their extra buddies, the ones that are assigned to me, and then the ones that aren't doing anything at the moment, they're like, well, let's stand around the car or around the house or around the whatever. I don't know if I'm always rejoicing. My brother had the first great-grandchild for my parents. My brother, Ali, God bless him today on this morning. And uh, I said, what are they going to call you? And he said, well, there's some names going around. And I, I can't even remember what they ended up calling him as a grandpa because I didn't want them to call him Grumps because I'm wanting that to be my grandpa name, Grumpa. Rejoice always. I struggle with it. But I want to follow the Lord in that command. Pray continually. And there's so much to prayer, isn't there? There's the asking, there's the confessing, there's the thanksgiving, there's the praying for other people. Pray continually. When you're driving, pray continually with your eyes open. Most of us are better drivers with our eyes open. Give thanks in all circumstances. Man, it started off tough for me and then it just gets harder, this verse. You know, everything the Lord commands us comes with a promise that he'll enable us to do what he's asking us to do. That's what grace is, the enabling to do what we couldn't do on our own. It's Christ living in us, living a life that's the life of Christ, where we only have the strength barely to live our own life, but Christ gives us the strength on the inside, to live from the inside out through a relationship with him, abiding in him, that we could live a life different than what we could on our own. So these are These are commands with the promise that if we say yes, God is already saying yes. If we'll partner with him, like we just saying, if he says he's in it with us, then we'll go. To give thanks in all circumstances. Our church family has experienced some difficult circumstances in this past month. In this room and then in our family are people who have lost their mother, their wife, their brother. Several families, their grandmother, grieving the loss of a loved one, celebrating a great life lived. We miss them because we love them so much, because they impacted us. It hurts even worse because they were so dear to us. Giving thanks in all circumstances. We don't give thanks for all circumstances. Some circumstances are not the way they were meant to be. Even death was not God's plan. His plan was life and fellowship with him in the garden, in a world where we were living in communion with him. But sin entered in. We made our wrong choices. Death entered in. Thorns and destruction. Sin, the Bible calls it. But God, all-powerful and all-loving, all-kind, all-merciful, all-righteous and all-just, had a son slain from the foundations of the earth that he would become the sacrifice that would make all the wrong things right. And he's coming in the clouds and he will restore his kingdom even on the earth. 
So we can give thanks in all circumstances because the circumstances don't remove us from God. They don't change who God is. In fact, sometimes they set the stage for our love to grit its teeth and to hold on tighter. Sometimes they set the stage for God to present himself as faithful even in a situation we thought he could never handle or we could never handle. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's a tall order here that the Lord is giving us. And then he underlines it by saying, this is my will for you. But it's in Christ Jesus. We can rejoice and we can pray, which is communication with God. And we can be thankful in all circumstances because in Christ Jesus, let his will be done and his kingdom come in us, even as it is in heaven. I've been rejoicing. I love Thanksgiving. I love to be with family. I want to be able to give thanks. So we've been talking about giving thanks. Today, the title would be The Practice of Gratitude. The Practice of Gratitude. The definition of practice, it's the actual application or the use of an idea or a belief or a method. It's the application as opposed to just theories relating to it. Are you all talk or can you walk the walk, we might say in our culture. It's the application. Practice, another definition, it's the customary, habitual, expected procedure or the way of doing something, putting it into practice. It's to perform an activity or an exercise like a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain proficiency. Anybody ever heard you practice makes perfect? Well, as we were coaching As I was being coached, our coaches realized we were never going to be perfect. So they started saying, you practice makes you prepared, which is probably a better definition. They used to say, you play like you practice. Now, more general, you perform like you practice. Putting gratitude into practice, practice of gratitude, to not just theorize about it, but to apply it to your life, to not just... Do it sometimes, but customary and habitual in it, doing the procedure to actually work on the skill of it so that you can improve or maintain proficiency. I'd like to tell you, I don't like this message today. I can remember being in Sunday school and thank God for parents that take their kids to church. And thank God for kids that come to church if their parents don't. And parents that come to church if their kids don't. But I got taken to church, and I can remember Sunday school lessons, and God bless my teachers. Most of them are still alive, but their house is already huge in heaven because I was in their class. But I remember the Sunday school lessons that I grew up on. There was the scripture, and then there was an illustration, and there was a story, and then my teacher would add some great insight and make it all real. And I loved it, and I loved it till that last part at the end, it said, application. And then it was as if this voice, it was as if I was in a dark room by myself. It's like, Matt, what will you do with this information? And I wanted to say, I'll use this information. No, I need a specific, practical application. That's how the paper sounded to me in my ears. How was I going to apply it? I would love to just sit in meetings and hear more information. I love to listen to pastors. I don't care if they preach for an hour. If they're telling me good stuff, like, oh, and then turn on the next one and turn on the next one. But the application is where, 
as they say, the rubber meets the road or where it all comes down. So would you be praying for me and I'll be praying for you in this message of application? It goes against all my human nature, but I want to let the Spirit lead me as we sing. And the Spirit leads us into the application of God's truth because the Bible warns us that we ought to practice what God says. Look at this verse in James. Get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word that God's planted in your hearts. It has the power to save your souls. Anybody need saving? Anybody good at saving yourself? I find that shovel I'm using to dig my way out just digs it deeper. Look at verse 22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Jesus, out of his own mouth, speaking to his followers, speaking to us today, he says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. It beat against the house, but it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The rock, the house was built on the rock. It was built by following the word of God, by putting it into practice. Look at the contrary, verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew, it beat against that house, and it fell. And it fell with a great crash. The difference here is not the storm. The difference here is not the house. The difference here is applying God's word, which builds a firm foundation for your life. Oh, so Lord, help me. In fact, can I just pray for me? And if you want to be in on the prayer, you can be too. Lord, help us today. Lord, in all this resistance we have, this, this wanting of easier ways and smoother roads, in all of this resistance we have where we want our own will and not your will, in all of this part of us, Lord, that just our ears start burning on fire to hear your word and we love it, but yet our bodies don't want to act it out. Our minds don't always want to join you there. Lord, in all of this resistance where heaven meets earth and where our will collides with your will, Father, would you help us today that we would be able to practice what you have talked about, what you have told us, especially in this subject of gratitude. Would you help us today? Lord, I say to you, I believe, help my unbelief. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Would you help us today, Lord, to put into practice your word? Where we might fail on our own, would you make us more than conquerors? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we practice gratitude, all these things that we've been talking about gratitude are going to actually come to life in our life. When we practice gratitude, it will actually position us with Jesus. It will actually put us in the place of glorifying God. You remember the first Sunday that we talked about gratitude, we talked about 10 lepers and they all got healed of leprosy. But as they went to show the priest that they were healed so they could rejoin their life and their family, only one came back to Jesus. Gratitude led him to Jesus. So gratitude will position us with Jesus. And we talked about that Sunday. If you feel far away from God, just begin to thank him. And those feelings will change. And it's not all about feelings, but who wants a love relationship without feeling it a little bit of the time, right? So our feelings don't lead us, but they are important to the relationship 
we position ourselves by thanking God. The Bible says, come into his gates with thanksgiving. So we need to practice that, not just hear it, but actually take time to thank him with our words and our thoughts and our hearts and our minds. When we practice gratitude, it will posture us in the right posture. We talked about the woman who snuck through the crowd and risked it all to touch Jesus' cloak to be healed from what no one else could heal her from. And she touched him, and then she began to move backwards in the crowd to go back to her life. But Jesus was not going to have it. He wanted a face-to-face encounter with the woman. He didn't just want her healed. He wanted her whole. He didn't just want her healthy. He wanted her in a right relationship with himself. And he would not stop asking, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Until she fell at his feet and said, it was me. And when she fell at his feet, positioned and postured in gratitude, she told her story of suffering and how in a moment Jesus had healed it. And she was talking to Jesus about her life and Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And so she was postured at Jesus's feet. In a world that puffs up, gratitude will bring us to humility. In a world where we clench our fists and grit our teeth and fight for our own rights, uh, gratitude will posture us humbly before the Lord, who is fighting for all that we need and all that we are. So when we practice gratitude, our position changes and our posture changes. It's not just to hear about gratitude. It's not just to go, oh yeah, I am grateful. But it's to practice it, to put it into practice. And then last week we talked about how gratitude protects us. There's a verse in the Bible that says when we, instead of worrying, when we pray and make our requests known to God with thanksgiving, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God goes into protection mode. It covers us. We can be in the worst situation, but we can be calm. We can be in trouble, but say it is well with my soul because on the inside, there's a peace guarding us. It's guarding our mind and guarding our heart. It doesn't get rid of the trouble. It just protects us in the trouble. It just holds us above the drowning. It holds us above the destruction. The trouble may still be there, but we're protected from it because gratitude in peace has wrapped itself around us. Oh, I need to be positioned correctly. I want to be postured correctly. I'm dying for the protection that only God could give. And gratitude takes us to all those places. There are many studies about gratitude. Many researchers who are discovering, and I like to use the word uncovering, what gratitude does to us. I like to use the word uncovering because the truth is there. It's just that we're finding it. We're uncovering what God has already done. I'd like to quote a lady, uh, Miss Peterson, and you can see her credentials there in blue. She has an article, 2019, called Gratitude and Anxiety, to be less anxious and more grateful. And she works with people suffering from depression and anxiety, And this is a quote from the article directly from her. The brain cannot respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time, which means it's one or the other. We can feel anxious and other negative states, or we can feel grateful and all of the positive emotions that are associated with it. So the brain research that she's talking about and putting into this article, it shows that when we are anxious and stressed, one part of our brain is working, but the part that deals with gratitude is not working. It's shut down or it's not on. They call it lights up when they do it through scans and things like that. They say this one part of your brain lights up 
the other part doesn't. But when you're grateful, then that part lights up and the anxious part lights up. They cannot get them both to light up at the same time. All right? I'm putting them to terms that I can barely understand. But what they're saying is that we have a choice. We have an option. Not easy. Maybe simple, but not easy. But we can't be anxious and grateful at the same time. So she goes on with the people she's working with to talk about how when they start practicing gratitude, their levels of depression and anxiety come down. Very real things to deal with anxiety. Very real things to deal with depression. The world is searching for the answers, and here they are uncovering the answers. God has made your mind in such a way that if you will be thankful to him, it will help you with the things that you don't want negatively impacting your life. She says uh, so much in this article, and I've got a lot of it here, but I just highlighted some of it. She says our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors are brain-based. Things happen in our circumstances, and we say that triggered me or that affected me or that made me sad or that made me depressed. That was in the outside of us, but the feeling and the emotion happened inside of us. It was the way our brain responded to the thing. Again, very real things, and I make no, no, no mean to make any of this light or easy. There's the production in our, head, in our minds of neurotransmitters, and she says something like dopamine and norepinephrine and misanine and mysterinine, serotonin, and hormones like cortisol, and they, they react a certain way when, when stimulus from the outside, the triggers or the life circumstances happen to us. And they respond a certain way on the inside of us and cause these reactions like anxiety, fear, and worry. But we can counteract that by practicing gratitude, which does other things in our mind. And it, like this research shows, it turns off the anxious and the depressed, and it turns on the grateful. And then what gets turned off with that is a lot of negative, or what we call in in the spiritual world, dark emotions that want to affect us. And it turns on the positive or the bright emotions that want to affect us. Now, if it was just as easy as reading this statement and being cured of everything, then wow, that would be awesome. But just like the word we read earlier, we have to put it in practice. So she works with her patients on putting some things into practice. And I just wanted to read a few of the things that she mentioned. All right. She says she encourages her, the people she's working with and everybody in this article, she says, find beauty and pause to simply appreciate it. Find beauty. Maybe that's music. Maybe that's art. Maybe that's a sunset. Maybe that's coffee with a good friend. There's a lot of beauty in our world, but our world is trying to let us know there's not too much beauty. So she says, just find beauty and and appreciate it. Well, that reminded me of a verse in the Bible that says, the whole earth is full of God's glory. So check, I agree with her. Number two, she says, keep a gratitude journal, adding quick notes about your day, but do it every day. Remember, practice is habitual. Well, that reminded me of Psalm 45. The writer was saying, my heart overflows with gratitude to the Lord. My mouth is like the pen of a writer who's ready to write his psalm of praise to God. We can write down the things we're grateful for. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. I left school the other day. I passed a teacher that I've known for a lot of years. She said, coach, how was your day? I said, I didn't go to jail and kept walking. That was my gratitude. I didn't do anything that landed me in jail today. Parentheses, or at least get caught. Close parentheses. 
Sometimes our best is our best. But write it down. She says that might help you. The Psalms say it does. Pair deep breathing and visualizing an image of something for which you are glad. Now the world knows this is true and most religions will have some form of meditation. But meditation was invented and created by God. That we would meditate on his goodness and meditate on his kindness. The deep breathing allows more oxygen into your body and into your brain. A deep breath slows down the things that are causing you, that want to run rapid in your mind and cause you to be more anxious. So we all know some wrong examples of meditation and deep breathing. But the Bible reminds us this, that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. So I want to visualize Jesus. Oh, I was doing that this week. In a beautiful time with the Lord, I take no credit for it. He almost arrested me with it. The Lord surprised me. And I was just contemplating what it meant that he was beaten, that I might be healed, that he was crucified, that I might not have a death sentence anymore. Oh, and I just begin to fix my eyes on Jesus. I don't think I did it very well, but I think he did his part very well. And man, my mind changed. My attitude changed. My perspective for the next month changed. I begin to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I don't want to sound boastful in any of that because it's easier for me to have the lust of the world in my eyes, as it says in the New Testament, or to have my eyes fixed or distracted to other things. Have you ever caught yourself looking at some other love, like water that runs through our hands, but we try to go get it, like a dog returning to his vomit, the Bible says. We are sometimes like a magnet pulled to the things that we know don't satisfy that only leave us with guilt and shame and making us feel dirty. But all there is a practice of gratitude, and this doctor is on to it, that when we visualize something in our mind, something for which we're grateful for, it changes our hearts. It says in the Bible to fix our eyes on Jesus, to think on whatever is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So you take a deep breath. And you think of one of those blessings. She says, write little notes of appreciation to others and leave them where people find them. All right? I'm immediately going like maybe a text. All right? A voice memo. Like people really still write on paper? Really? I joke around like, do you want me to get you some papyrus? Maybe a pen we can dip in in ink. Or even better, melt wax. Or a chisel and some stone. And then I receive a card from somebody who took time to write me a note on paper, and I'm blown away. I know a lieutenant colonel in the Army. I think he's probably pretty busy. One of his daily practices before 7 in the morning is to have written and mailed a thank you letter to somebody. I don't even like to talk about it because I like to say I'm too busy, but I'm not a lieutenant colonel. I'm not leading that many soldiers. And yet he finds time. He says, I have to do it. The practice of it makes me better. Write little notes of appreciation or at least call somebody or tell them when you see them. Thank them. She goes on with a few more. I hope you have time for this. She says, acknowledge anxious thoughts. You know, sometimes the church can just confuse people because we almost tell them sometimes without thinking to just pretend everything's all right. Everything's not all right. Or Jesus wouldn't have had to die to fix it. And he wouldn't have to come on a cloud in a white horse with a sword in his hand to make it all right at the end of time. Everything's not all right, but it's going to be all right. 
Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Did I sing that out loud? Because it was in my head. It sounded better in my head. Everything's going to be all right, but it's not all right now. But I mean, we're all right because we're in Christ. And nothing can snatch us out of his hand. Nothing. No angel, no demon, no scheme of man. Nothing on the earth, above the earth, or under the earth. We're all right because God has us. But we're in a place that's not our home. It's not quite all right. But we need to acknowledge those things. But when we acknowledge the anxious thoughts or the things that aren't all right, this doctor says, add to it. But right now, I appreciate. And then you name something. So in the middle of things being not all right, acknowledge it, and then say what is all right. Man, things are tough right now, but I'm thankful I'm up above the earth instead of under the earth. One guy said, I'm six feet up, not six feet down. And I said, can we count five, seven? This doctor, like the Lord, like the Psalms show us, David is a master of this, acknowledging what's wrong. Lord, I don't understand why the wicked prosper, and it seems like the just die. I don't understand how you're running the world. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. He would acknowledge all the mess going on, but then he would end with, but your ways are right. And the wise live by faith. And and he would go on to say what he was grateful for. And he always seems to end the psalm in a better place than he started. Acknowledge the anxious thoughts. The Bible would tell us that that's called taking every thought captive. This doctor says, give yourself permission to be grateful rather than letting worry push it away. We can almost become people in continuous mourning because of loss and hurt in our life. And the mourning and the trouble is real, but we need to give ourselves permission to also enjoy the good things in life. To be grateful. When we were ministering, I knew of a woman in another place, in another country, and she had lost a child at a very young age, the child at a young age. She wore black. And in this country, you mourn the death for an extended period of time. You don't come out of your house. It's the culture and the custom. And I really needed to learn a lot of that to properly give ourselves time to grieve. But this lady was years and years into it. And it looked to me as I knew her for a little while that she almost felt guilty to smile. I'm making some observations and I may be wrong. I wasn't judging her. I was trying to figure out my life by watching hers. She almost couldn't give herself permission to enjoy the family she had because of the family she had lost. If we're not careful, worry and hurt will push away the good that's trying to come into our life. Oh, it's a hard fight and I don't mean to make it sound easy. David said this in the Psalms, why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will put my hope in God. He was wrestling with this same thing of sadness and discouragement, wanting to control and overtake his life. And he says, these things are real, but I'm going to go above those things and put my hope in God. Appreciate things about yourself. Oh, this ought to be a whole series. Appreciate things about yourself. Be grateful. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are the only creation that bears the image of God. More than just his fingerprints and proof of his creation, but we bear his image. Appreciate things about yourself. This will be a way to practice gratitude. 
David wrote a psalm. He said, Lord, who am I that you even think of me? Who am I that you care about me? You've made me this much lower than even the angels. He was putting himself in the proper light. Oh, we're terrible without the Lord. Oh, but we're glorious in the Lord. We need a Savior, but we have a Savior. We were lost, but now we're found. There's two sides to the coin, and if we're not careful, we'll spend all of our time on the bad side of the coin, and we need to remember the great side of the coin. We are new in Christ Jesus. Throughout the day, she says, just pause briefly and appreciate something in that moment. The Bible says, give thanks in all situations, in all circumstances. I appreciate what this doctor and what research is uncovering about how God's made us but he's actually made our minds and bodies in such a way that the things we deal with, we can deal with where they don't destroy us, but they actually strengthen us. We actually get healing inside of our own self by practicing being grateful. Today, the title, the struggle, the practice of gratitude. Gratitude was introduced to the people of God through the thank offering when God was Uh, talking to Moses and leading his people after they came out of Egypt. You can look at it in Leviticus 7. I've done a little bit of reading on it, stolen a bunch of notes, and here's my summary from Leviticus 7. The thank offering was part of the sacrifices and offerings that God handed down to his people. It was a subcategory under the peace offerings, or what are also called the fellowship offerings. So there was this peace offering or this fellowship offering, and there were three kinds of them, and one kind was the thank offering. It was not mandatory. Other sacrifices and other offerings, they were done on this day of the year or this time of the month or at this season or this festival. But the thank offering was totally voluntary and not scheduled. It was a feast. There was a sacrifice, but then that sacrifice was eaten and it was eaten by all the parties in the relationship. And these are the three parts. The part that was offered to God was put on the altar and burned. And like God, like a consuming fire, that was showing that God had taken part of the meal, part of the offering. The smoke going up to him was symbolic of the offering reaching to the heavens. So there was part of the offering that was separated and burned. It was God's part of the meal. And then the second part of the offering was given to God, but it wasn't given directly to God. It was given to God through the priests. So the priests that had been selected by God, were set aside, and they, that thank offering, part of it went to God, and then part of it was like, God, I'm giving this to you, but it comes to you through your priests. And the priests were mediators. They're, they're the people that were between God and man on the earth. Jesus has become our great high priest. But before that, it was a, a relational thing. It was, the priests would represent God to the people, and then they would represent the people to God. And in this thank offering, God wanted the priests involved, his people, his chosen ones, to bear his name and his word on the earth. And then the third part of the offering went back to the person making the offering. So you would bring your offering, you take this part, and there was a lot to it. It wasn't as fast as push pay or an envelope at the church or even writing on papyrus and mailing it. It wasn't even that fast. It was a, a, a process, and there was a way to do it. And there's a lot of things God asked to be done. But one of the things he asked to be done was that whatever you offered, it needed to be perfect. You didn't need to bring your worst goat. You need to bring your best goat. You didn't need to bring your worst molded grain. You needed to bring your best grain. 
And the part went to God and the part went to God through the priest and the other part went back to the person who brought it and they went home with their offering and they finished the feast at their house. And this is the only offering that had to be completed and eaten on the day that it was offered. It must have meant a lot to the Lord. It must mean a lot to the Lord. So they offered part to God, part to God through the priest, and then they participated in the meal because they were part of the thanksgiving. And God didn't want to be eating his meal in his room and the priests in their room and the people not to have anything. He said, this is a community, communion meal of thanks. So to close today, I'd just like to look at those three parts real quickly. When we practice gratitude, part of what we're giving, we need to see it as going to God, that it really does matter. Have you ever thought, do my prayers even get past the ceiling? What does one Christmas box matter? One gift for the angel tree. What does my $5 matter? It matters to God. He asks for it. He appreciates it. He knows it. He remembers our vows and our promises. He writes them down. Almost like a dad who would take the Father's Day card and put it in his closet or the picture of his kid in his wallet. But now they got through with wallets, so now it's just on your phone. And you can't find the picture because you don't make folders on your phone. And there's just a hundred. I'm sorry, I'm talking to myself right now. It matters to the Lord. Look at this in Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. It's a response to God's goodness. I read one article where they talked about the first sacrifice in this sacrificial system. It was God sacrificing an animal to cover Adam and Eve. They were in leaves and he put clothes on them. So it starts with God. He's been so good to us, so we respond by giving thanks. Is anybody thankful? Does anybody have something to be thankful for? Oh, you sounded like a preacher, Matt. Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. There are psalm after psalm after psalm about giving thanks to God. It's a command. It's one of the things we're asked to do more than anything else maybe. It is over and over and over. Give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 118, Psalm 136. These words about giving thanks, they mean to shout or to boast, to lift up your hands in thanks, to kneel before the Lord in thanks, to revere him, to sing to him, to make music, to confess, to bless, to honor him. All of that is part of thanksgiving. We don't just sing to get us halfway through the service. We sing because we are offering our voice and our heartfelt sentiment to God through the song. It's an offering and he cares about it. He's not up there on Apple Play or Spotify or whatever going, I'd rather hear this guy. No, he's like, hey, hold it down up here. They're singing to me from Lockhart. And the one angel goes, where's that? And he goes, you know, the barbecue capital of Texas. No, that's not what he says. He goes, that's where you live. And he hears your voice and sees your face. And it comes up to him like aroma, like a sweet perfume. The Bible says, in Hebrews, it says, through him, therefore, let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of the lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Continually, we need to be in thanksgiving, offering praise to God. Have you ever given a gift to somebody and you could already tell on their face, that's not what they wanted? Yes, 
I just triggered all the parents who are trying to figure out what to buy your kid or all the loved ones trying to figure out the, you know, you're like, what's the perfect gift? And, what's the, and you're just looking like, did they like it? Then that poor child trying to have a face that looks like they like it, like, I like it. Oh, the pain of all of it. But there's a freedom in this thanksgiving to God because he loves just your word. You know, Jesus said, if you just give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, I take that personally. And that leads us to the second part. When we give, we also give to God through the priests. They would take part of the sacrifice and the priests would eat it. And then they were cared for through the thankfulness and gratefulness of another. But it wasn't really to them. It was to God, but through them. Do you know when you bring your Operation Christmas Child box or your angel tree gift, it's really a gift to God. It's going to his people, but you're offering it because of how good God's been to you. I I don't always think about that. I appreciate the Bible clarifying it for me. It's to God's people, but it ends up a, a gift to God. You need to see your songs like that, your thanksgiving like that, your gifts like that. When you support the Caldwell County Christian Ministry Food Bank, when you serve at a local ministry, when you just go visit a neighbor, you are ministering and giving to that person, but you're actually giving to God. In fact, God wants it to be so clear that he compliments some people in Scripture. He says, hey, you cared for me when I was in prison, and you gave to me when I didn't have any clothes, and you visited me when no one else would. And they go, when did we do that? And he said, whenever you did it to any of these, even the least of these, you did it to me. Your thanks goes to God even when you're being grateful or good to someone else. And all of our gifts is just a response to God's good gifts to us, isn't it? Now, the priests in that day were selected by God. They came from one family, one people, and everybody knew who the priests were. But the Bible says, in Christ, we have now become priests. We are little Jesuses on the earth. We are in the ministry of the priesthood. We are representing God to people and people to God. So you can give to anybody and be giving to God. You're in Christ. You're all priests. You're also prophets and kings, but I don't, I just want to give you one job scripture right now so you don't quit. <laughs> You're a priest in Christ. And so when I see you and I want to give something to you or to your family, maybe it's just a kind word or a note, or maybe it's like when you guys give so graciously to my family, you're actually giving to God. You're practicing gratefulness by giving to others. But then the third part of that offering was that they took the rest of the offering back to their own home and they ate it with their family. And so they were blessed by the thanks they were giving to God. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Not as we see, not as the world sees. You got a few people in your life cheering for you. You got a lot of other voices trying to pull you down. That's just the world we live in. We have got to see ourselves as God sees us. And that was part of the gratefulness. We get caught up in this holy relationship I'm invited to the same table God's eating from? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That God would be eating of this offering and say, hey, Matt, have a plate also. It reminds me of the 23rd Psalm. He prepares a table for me. He leads me beside still waters. 
and into the fields where I can rest and grace. Grace kind of sounds like my Thanksgiving, so that was prophetic. That I'm at the table with God. That I'm not just going, Lord, could I give you this and so you don't be mad anymore? Oh, good. Whew. Your homeboy's on the side like, bro, you didn't even get hit by lightning. I was crazy. I just knew you were dead. I already asked your mom for your Jordans. You know, we have that feeling sometimes like, oh, if I could just, if God would just take this and not hit me or not. Uh. And the Lord's like, hey, I'm so glad you brought the food. Let's eat. I'm thankful for you too. You mean everything to me. Let's eat this meal together. Let's sit at the table in communion. Oh, man. I need some work on this one. We're part of the offering, and we're part of the meal together with God. And right now, as soon as the truth goes out, the birds come to steal that truth. And in your mind, already a list is being formed of how you're not worthy and how you're not invited. And if God loved me this much, then how come? And that can't be true. And da-da-da-da-da. It's even proof that it's true because there's an argument almost as immediate as the truth goes out into our ears. There is a God who loves us who prepares a table, who makes his son the entry ticket, the the meal, who pays for it for all of us. And then we come as grateful children, just thankful for the goodness in our lives. And we say, Lord, could I give you this? And he goes, oh, that's all I ever wanted. Sit down here with me and enjoy it. Because like the woman healed of the issue of blood, he doesn't want the healing without the relationship. He wants us there with him. We've got to practice gratitude. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to close this morning with just another couple of minutes of worship, which is actually another word for thanksgiving, bringing to God our song. And it can look so many different ways. You don't have to be like the lieutenant colonel writing a note today. You don't have to be like the Old Testament person who's bringing a lamb and sacrificing it, you might just say to the Lord, Lord, I'll go up on the stage and I'll play a song for you. Even though I don't necessarily feel that good today. I just want to tell you guys I love you and appreciate you. And that when you lead us in worship, it helps us, but it leads us to God. It might just be when you come up on a Sunday morning to church or a Wednesday night. Oh, now he's preaching. It might just be the way that you call a friend or the way you just bow your head before the meal and say, God, thank you for this food. There's a million ways, endless, of how we can practice gratitude. The doctor and us, we looked at some of those today. All of these studies about how gratitude affects our life, it's the putting it into practice. It's the thinking on the things we're grateful for. It's the speaking of the things we're grateful for. It's the writing down of the things we're grateful for. It's the putting it into practice. But it's amazing. It has a change effect on our lives. Today, I want to ask us, could we think about how to give God more thanks? What's a tangible, practical way to give God more thanks? Maybe you just say, you know what? I'm going to pray before every meal and thank God. I feel him smiling. Maybe you're going to say, you know what? My Saturday morning is going to start with coffee and a 30-minute list of Thanksgiving. 
or 20. I know you're busy. But how could you give God more thanks? How could you thank God more by taking care of people? Think of one way. Oh, I'm going to sponsor a child. Oh, I'm going to give to the ministry. Do you know that we have a list of 10 plus missionaries around the world that we give to? It's on a bookmark out here at our information center. When I give and you give to missions at our church, we're saying thank you to God. It goes to the missionaries, but we're saying thank you to God. Maybe that's one way you say, you know what, I'm going to do $5 a month to the mission offering. Or I'm going to go volunteer at the food bank. I'm going to take care of people as a thanks to God. And then I wonder if there's one thing you can think of that you're going to be grateful for yourself and thank God. And it may be this simple. God, thank you that you love me. Maybe just start there. I'd encourage you to think about these three parts of the thank offering and make a decision to practice them this week. Would you stand with me and we'll sing this song as we close. And you might want to sing or you might want to pray or you might want to just thank God. I'll come at the end of this chorus and song and I'll dismiss us in prayer. Turn this place into Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.